0: listening to the full 10 yards podcast with your host Timothy Lambert Monk Welcome to the 410 Yards Podcast. Happy Hump Day! It is Wednesday, the sixth of March. Hope you, all the listeners out there, hope you are doing very well indeed. Today's episode is the NFC South, and we is part of our exits interview series. So we're going to be talking about the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers. Some really good guests on the show today. Talking about New Orleans, we've got Ben Wright from the UK Saints Hub uh, Twitter page from this this side of the ponds. Atlanta, we've got Ben Rolfe, uh, who you may remember from the Houston podcast. He's on for a double shift. Carolina, we have uh, Oliver from the Royal Riot UK Royal Riot UK Twitter page and fan group, and Adrian Drake as well. A f- previous winner of the uh, Leiferts General jersey on the Full 10 Yards podcast, so great to have him on. And then riding us off, we have two guys from other podcasts. We have uh, Murph from the Five Yard Rush, and we have Tom Griffiths from uh, Head on, on the Swivel podcast as well. So lots of good chatter to get through. Uh, another, another good long hour for you to get all your teeth into. So I'm not going to waste your time anymore, and we're going to get straight on into it. Okay, first up on the NFC South it is, of course, the division winners. So that is, of course, the New Orleans Saints. And joining us to talk about the Saints, um, hoping not to open up too many wounds of the season, but it's uh, Ben Wright uh, from the uh, UK Saints podcast. Ben, welcome in.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, like I say, obviously, uh, so just to peel back the curtain just a little bit, this is uh, recorded at 10 a.m. on the Monday after the Super Bowl. So. My brain is not in the most functional of, uh, of of modes, so Ben, I don't know about yours, but um, um, did you watch the game last night, dare I ask?
1: The whole, I, you know, I, I locked myself away after we got robbed in the NFC Championship game. Um, I just locked myself away, and I just couldn't bear to, you know, listen to any podcast. We did a podcast afterwards, and I just said, you know what, I just can't be involved. But it's just... It's so addicting, isn't it? It just drags you back in. So, unfortunately, I did watch it. I went to bed, and then I was like, Do you know what? I'll just put it on in bed, and I stayed. even though how boring the game was. Yeah, yeah. I managed to stay. I managed to stay awake for all of it, and um, a little bit of justice has now been served.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I suppose it. It, um, it it makes sense to to start at the end, kind of, and. Yeah, the Saints' season we will all come down to that one play, won't it? And you know, for, for even the season, I suppose that that would be probably what top three, top five talking points uh, of the whole season, uh, I suppose. <sighs> so, what was? What, I know, obviously, the the reaction, uh, you know, what it, what it was. But uh, just talk us through, obviously, the, the Saints uh, in New Orleans. Uh, you said prior to the podcast decided to to throw hashtag boycott Bowens and, and throw a pie. Just maybe want to touch on
1: that a little bit. Yeah, so I think the way. The history between the NFL, especially Commissioner, and the Saints have been after Gate and after the the missed P.I. and Helmet to Helmet and Unnecessary Roughness call. We, we could pick either one for the uh, Ruby Coleman hit on uh, Tommy Lewis. But after that, they decided, you know, we don't want any part of the Super Bowl. So let's just, they're, they're in t- typical New Orleans fashion, just threw a, a massive party celebrating the city of New Orleans, celebrating the Saints season, because it was a special season. This was only the second time in, you know, 52 years of Saints history that we were the number one seed. So, it was a special season. We, you know, had the same record as we did when we won the Super Bowl 109. It, it was a special season, but unfortunately, like, last year was a special season as well, but it will be remembered for two plays. The one last year in Minnesota, I can kind of, it was heartbreaking, but a player made the play, and that's what we're all about. As watching players make plays, this year a little bit harder to take because it was a call that should have been made, and we would have been playing last night.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's, it seems a while ago now. Obviously, on the back of uh, Robert Holman's uh, non-call, there it seems a long time ago since uh, the, the miracle in Minnesota happened. Yeah, blind me. Um, yeah, not yeah, not, not the greatest. Too heart,
1: too heartbreaking. Yeah, too heartbreaking. And then also you've got to remember previous playoff uh, history, the Marshall Lynch run against us that knocked us yeah. out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we like to do it in heartbreaking fashion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. So I suppose to all those out there, Ben, you obviously uh, a, a host of the UK Saints podcast. Is is I, I suppose you have to recommend the podcast immediately immediately after those uh, those games. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's. Um, <laughs> It, they're they're an interesting listen uh, when, when when we lose um, when we win there it's it's a it's a fun listen but uh, we do have a couple of uh, you know, hot takes on there um, especially I, I think I I was not in any kind of mood to talk about it so we did it straight after the NFC championship game and let's just say if you want to go back and listen to you know very angry fans. Uh, the few, a few things I said maybe that you know with time now I probably would have taken back. So it's a fun listen.
0: <laughs> and uh, obviously you said uh, off the off the podcast about about you, you know you're involved with the UK site uh, forums and all that over there. Well, I suppose there were some interesting articles on there as well, was there?
1: Yeah, so uh, it's UK Saints Hub. it's uh, run by uh, James Baker. Um, he's one of the uh, co-hosts on the podcast. Um, it's basically a UK forum for Saints fans to you know post articles. Read what other fans are saying. Share pictures of their experiences in New Orleans. Also, uh, we got uh, one of our members, uh, Mark Daly, who travels over there quite a lot, and he always, you know, writes a writes a guide of places to go, visit, where to eat, because obviously New Orleans is famous for its food. So even if it's if you're in a, a traveling fan, if you if you're going to the city or New Orleans, check out the website and what Mark's put up. If you want to catch the best places in the city. Mm.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a place that's on, on my to-do list. I'm going to Florida a bit later on. I did, I did fancy a, a bit of a road trip to New Orleans. It's not actually that, that far, but I'm not, not quite sure we'll get to do it this year. Let's go back to the season, uh, Ben. You, you mentioned the LC it was, it was a special season, but the, the question, the slight tangent I'm going to go off here, you know, irregardless of the circumstances, the way it ended, um, you know, we could talk about that for for, for months, but would you consider the, the, the season successful? <sighs>
1: It's. We really went into the season after what happened in Minnesota believing we've got two more years of Drew Brees to go and get this thing done. With, with the draft class we, we've had recently with Kamara, Latimore, Mike Thomas, we know we've got to make advantage of these guys on minimal wages. It was Super Bowl or bust. Um, so. We've got one more year to try and do it, so if we can, you know, we went a step further this year than we did last year, if we can do that next year, well, I believe we can because we've got most of our players coming back this uh, next year, and maybe Mark Ingram uh, might not be there, but I think we'll get the deal done to bring him back, but then, yeah, we are looking at pretty much the same team coming back with a few additions in free agency, hopefully, so... Yeah. I I can't answer that yet. I'll be able to answer that next season. Right. It
0: all depends how the team respond. Yeah, no, no, no that's fair. I mean, the, re- the reason I put successful um, in, 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 instead of your word special, it was just because, obviously, Marcus Davenport gave up your number one pick in the in the draft for, for next, well, number not number one pick, your first round pick in the 2019 yeah. draft. So, like you say, they went all in on this season and re-signed Drew Brees to, obviously, a two-year contract, uh, of which the second year is in 2019. So,
1: yeah. Well, we we gave a third round draft pick up for Teddy Bridgewater.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah.
1: So you know we were literally all in thinking. Okay, if Breeze goes down, have we got someone who'd be able to you know nick Foles us through the rest of the playoffs? And so yeah, we we did give up quite a lot um, for it. But yeah, we'll see. Davenport was a everyone saying they gave up a, a you know a first round draft pick for him. He looked raw. But talented this year, so I'm, yeah. I'm very excited for him next season. Next
0: season. Yeah, and I mean, no first-round pick. You know, it's going to be pick 31. Is it? Uh, sorry, not the pick. 30, was it pick 30 or pick, pick, pick 29? Uh, I
1: think we're pick 30 or 29. Yeah, 30 or 29. Yeah, I mean,
0: he's oh, hardly top 10, is it? So no, um, exactly. So you know, it could have been could have been worse there. But so uh, let's let's have a, a quick chat about Drew Brees then. So career low in passing yards uh, at New Orleans, th- just under four thousand, and career low in attempts as well, 489. Um, which is quite strange actually, because his touchdown kind of touchdown interception kind of ratio is, is the same, um, but he broke his own record last year in completion percentage, uh, which this season stood at 115.7. What do you what do you make of Drew Brees? Obviously, he, like I say, he's uh, he's in the uh, older years, he's in the twilight of his career, shall we say, um, and then you know the last couple of years it's been more of a bit of a, a run a run attack in, in New uh, Mark Ingram, like I say, and Avon Kamara. How, how, what did, what did you make of his season?
1: He started off electric, and then I think A slowly caught up with him. I think the health of the offensive line didn't help losing uh, to Ron Armstead yeah. um, to injury. He's, he's a safety blanket on that left side. Um, but no, I think up, up to the game against Dallas, I think he was playing at an MVP level. Um, I have generally thought this would be the year that he, he would have won the mvp i think if Mahomes didn't have such a special season i think he would have won the mvp yeah, yeah. Uh, it still amazes me that you know a guy who's got seven five thousand, I five out of seven five thousand yard passing season something like that yeah. and could be broken the all-time completion percentage numerous times how oh, he's never won an mvp is just staggering mm. um but that's kind of as Saints fans, we're used to that. You know, we're, we're a smaller, we're a smaller market. Uh, we're not going to get the big awards, but we just want one more, one more Super Bowl, and then I think you can definitely put them in the conversations of greatest of all times. So even though Brady is obviously the greatest of all time, I think you could put Brees second, third, fourth if we can get that second ring for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, he started off really well. Um, uh, yeah, going towards the back end of the season, I mean the the, the New Orleans Saints twenty six rushing touchdowns over the season, which probably which was ranked first, uh, third in points for, second in points per drive. I suppose because that was primarily, you know, Kamara had a lot of hype coming into the season as well. Mark Ingram performed well in, in most of the games. I think that's probably why Drew Brees kind of, I'm not going to say, it gets overlooked, but. You know, when you've got someone like yeah. Patrick Mahomes doing what he's doing, and then you, you can kind of compare it to Drew, Brees, to, to Drew Brees. I can I can see what you mean about saying, you know, I, I thought going into week 13, 14 that Drew Brees was still going to win it. And uh, I was I was looking at closely at the betting throughout the whole season. Um, but maybe is it, is it because the Saints could also win with the run game or rely on that a bit more?
1: And the defence. I don't yeah. think Kansas had the defence. Yeah. They had to go gun home. And if you look who Patrick Mahomes you know, who's throwing to Sammy Watkins, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. Then you'd flip that and see who Drew Brees is throwing to. Mm. He's throwing to Mike Thomas and then Alan Kamara, who's a running back. If you look at the other receivers on the team, we had Keith Kirkwood come through, undrafted free agent. Uh, Ted Ginn was out for pretty much most of the season. Uh, Traquan Smith, third round draft pick, didn't really set the world alight this season. So... He was really thrown to nobody's Austin Carr, undrafted free agent. Dan Arnold, undrafted free agent. Mm. There's a lot of undrafted guys there who Breeze is trying to force the ball to. Mm. And hence why I think you saw Mike Thomas have the season that he, he had and slowly put himself up there as one of the best wide receivers in the NFL.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Michael Thomas, third consecutive year uh, increases in receptions and receiving yards. Yeah, he... Um, for a long time in the season, uh, was overnight was it 95 percent odd for for yeah uh, for receptions with no drops and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah, he, the ball always
1: coming down with it. Yeah, absolutely. He's... Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Like I say, I think Drew Brees for for most of his career though he's not really had many people to to throw to. You know, back in the day of, of Jimmy Graham, obviously was it was a, was a main a mainstay in that offense. But when he left, like I say, so he's always kind of been secondary or peripheral type type players. But Michael Thomas, obviously, is nice to see uh, a, a, you know, a genuine wide receiver number one.
1: Yeah, it's something I think we've lacked uh, since Marcus Colston yeah. uh, you know, fell off the boat a little bit of his age. Um, we tried Brandon Cooks. Um, Brandon Cooks didn't like the fact that we spread the ball a little bit. He wants to be the, the main number one guy, but he never was. That talented to be the number one guy. He's more of a number two who can take the top off. Um, the Rams are using him all right, but you know he's been to two Super bowls now since he's left us and not come away with a single ring. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it kind of puts a smile on my face.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember the camera at la- uh, last night uh, panned to him and he was looking quite glum. But yeah, interestingly, he's been bounced around the league a little bit for you know exchanging number one first round it- draft picks.
1: It was his. It was his uh, comments. He's, he was saying before he got left, traded to the Patriots about closed mouths not getting fed, and mm-hmm. what really riled the to fans because it was the season that Michael Thomas emerged, and that I think he saw it, and then it really stole his thunder, mm-hmm. and that, that's why he threw his toys out the pram. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then now he now he's bounced around the league a little bit, but it looks like he's found a home in LA.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just before we move on to the the off season, Ben, uh, you mentioned there about the defence being being a big factor of of, of the Saints' season, but it took a little while to get going. Any any particular reasons for that?
1: Uh, We brought in Demario Davis. Um, I don't think they knew how to use him uh, at the start. I think we had to do a little bit of adjusting. And once we, we we are famous famous for slow starts, I don't think we've won an opening game. For five or six seasons. We are very famous at slow starts, and it's it's something that i am really annoyed Saints fans this season, Um, especially that Tampa Bay game. Just looking back now, they just gave me nightmares. Fitzpatrick (laughs) throwing the ball all over us. But no, I think it's just adjustments. Uh, We've got talent on this defence. If you look at our defensive line, Cam Jordan, first-round draft pick. Sheldon Rankin's first-round draft pick. Marcus Davenport, first-round draft pick. Follow that by a Genuine lockdown corner in Marshall Lattimore. that's more we have the players to be a Great defense the only thing questions is the coaching. We've never really had the great defense even in 09 when we won the defense wasn't great It was just a situational defense that knew how to get the ball back. Mm. All right, some people say down gate, but we knew when we needed to come up with crucial turnovers, that team would be able to get it. And that's what kind of happened this year as well. Mm. We weren't the finished article on defence. There's a lot of young guys there still, but we knew how to get the ball back. Yeah. Just the, the one that springs to mind is against the Steelers in the Dome, where they were marching down the field, and then Sheldon Rankin's our defensive tackle drops back in coverage and for a defensive tackle and forces a fumble on Juju Smith-Schuster. Just to end, pretty much end the game, and that's kind of reminds me of when in 09, how Tracy Porter, you know, picked off Favre and picked mm. off Manning in the Super Bowl. Mm. It reminds me of that sort of style of defense. Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I say for all, for all the years I've been watching NFL, I've never really associated Saints with a decent defense. It's probably the best defense they've had since I've been watching for well, probably a decade, just over a decade or so, maybe fifteen years at a stretch. But
1: yeah, they, they, yeah like this before season. before Sean Payton and Drew Brees came along, they were famed for a famous defense of yeah. the old dome patrol of lads, Ricky yeah. Jackson, um, Sam Mills. You know that's what they were famous for. But it was obviously ever since the attacking mind of Sean Payton's come to New Orleans, it's it's all it's all been about offense.
0: Yeah, and that's, yeah, I always remember as well. Was it Rob Ryan, in, uh, defensive coordinator, for a couple of years as well? <laughs> uh, dark times, horrible times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, this this year again, they gave up a lot of yardage. Um, but yeah, after you know, they got there, you know, got to got used to it, got a bit of chemistry there, and got playing. The, the rust kind of wore off, and, and they they became yeah. what they were last year. But yeah, I, I think yeah, going into next season, they, they don't really need to change too much.
1: No, I, I, every, pretty much everyone on defense is coming back. Um, Sheldon Rankins also tore his Achilles. In the, in the game against the Eagles in, in the in the playoffs. Yeah. So he could miss the start of the season. But there has been talk around New Orleans of Tampa Bay defensive uh, tackle uh, Joe McCoy being cut. And he's got a very close relationship with Drew Brees and wants to win a title. Mm-hmm. So that could be one to, if the price is right, because we haven't got the biggest cap, because we're paying Brees 30 million next year and it's last year of his contract. Yeah. Um so it could be interesting to see if we can get a restructure for Breeze and restructure a few other guys' con- uh, contracts to give us a bit more cap room. To maybe go and get someone like McCoy, who I think will sit in perfectly alongside Rankins once he's healthy. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, that's not bad. Yeah, Jeremy McCoy, one of the uh, one of the greats there. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy watching him play. Um, so, is there is there anything on the offensive side? Obviously, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, not really much else outside of Thomas. Uh, obviously, Ben Watson is also mm. retiring. It's a great tight end class. Uh, coming into this draft. I know you haven't got a lot of draft picks, but... Uh, do, do I they... think
1: we could pick someone up in the second. Yeah. I, I haven't, I'm not going to be honest, I haven't actually started to look at the draft yet because I was all geared up into this season and then obviously the way we were robbed, uh, <laughs> I'll say it again, we were <laughs> robbed out of the Super Bowl. Uh, I kind of you know, lost faith, lost touch of it all. So, um, No, it, it is going to be interesting to see if we go and get a second. Other whispers going around. I know Drew Brees has said it as well. Jimmy Graham being cut in Green Bay, if the price is right, maybe bring Jimmy back with a with another with a young draft pick. And we've also got Josh Hill, who's just signed an extension, so that we could add players that way. Mm. Free agency and wide receiver. There's not much going, so you've got to remember we had Cam Meredith uh, on IR this year. Yeah, um, who we bought from the. On the Bears, we thought he, he he could potentially be a stud, but it didn't work out. It looked like he's still struggling from his injury, so we go again next year with Meredith to see what happens. Ted Ginn still got one more year left on his contract, so we could see him. But you also got to remember, hopefully Kirkwood will improve.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And then also, Des Bryant wants to come back to the Saints next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be very. I think training camp at the wide receiver position could be very interesting for the Saints. I can't see Gin, Des Bryant, and Cam Meredith all being on the team week one. I think one of those will lose their job. I know uh, Des Bryant hasn't got a contract, but I fully expect him to get a minimum deal contract to to come with the Saints. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's almost a kind of a, a forgotten storyline of the of the year, wasn't it? Des Bryant moving to moving to there, but it just shows the you. One day, yeah. the one
1: day we had a Des Bryant. Yeah, yeah I, I, that could have that that. Could have easily affected our season if he stayed healthy because it just gives it just gives other teams someone else to think about than Michael Thomas. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe we can uh, look forward to Des Bryant playing tight end next season. Who knows?
1: Maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, before we sign off, then Ben, last question for you. Obviously, it's a it maybe wasn't as hotly contested a division as it has been in previous years. But what do, what do the Saints need to do to to fend off the Falcons from next season? Obviously, they were unlucky on defense, and we will get to those uh, a bit shortly um, with Ben. But yeah, Carolina Panthers also a bit of a wild card. Cam Newton and the, and the Panthers were rolling until their their end of the season. They just unravelled, um, and obviously, Tampa Bay could be a bit of a wild card with Bruce Arians. What what do the Saints need to do to stay on top next season? Keep
1: going. Keep keep doing what we're doing. The Panthers as long as they've got Scam Newton at centre they're going to be so up and down Riverboat Ron coming back is perfect for us as well and we, we I, I'm not too worried about the Panthers the Falcons they blow hot and cold as well and the Bucks are just the Bucks. so keep doing what we're doing and I'm pretty sure we can win the, win the NFC South again next year
0: Cool and one word so one word from you then going into the 2019 season what would it be?
1: Oh. We ain't done yet. We, <laughs> I, remem- we remember yeah. that P.I. Mm. and that's going to be fuel. And knowing what this team's like with the players Michael Thomas has already been tweeting about it. Cam Jordan I don't know if you saw his t-shirt at the Pro Bowl. Yeah. This team and this city and this fan base are mightily, mightily annoyed. I wasn't going to use other word there but it's I'm being clean. <laughs> they are mad and one thing you don't want to do is rile up this team and this fan base because there's characters on there that are just going to explode next season. I think. I think. That, I think the NFL maybe have unlocked a beast.
0: Yeah, maybe some some words that come to mind for me: redemption and maybe vengeance. Uh, I'm sure you yes. you'll you probably agree for that. But so that's yeah,
1: a little... Super Bowl next year's in Miami. Where do we win the Super Bowl in '09? Miami. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's... Let's have a trip to Florida.
0: Trends, yeah. Let's have a trip to Florida indeed. Ben, that's going to wrap us up for the Saints. Thank you so, so much for coming on. No
1: worries. Thank you
0: for having me. Okay. It's time to talk about one of the more disappointing teams in the NFC South in 2018. It's, of course, the Atlanta Falcons. Finished up a 7-9 record. Kind of misleading there. losing, Winning the last three games, they were 4-9. Uh, ended up third in the NFC South. Um... Had high hopes for for Atlanta for in in the, going into twenty eighteen, and uh, to break it all down for us and see perhaps where they all went wrong is a friend of the show, Ben Rolf. Ben, welcome you back in. Obviously, you uh, did the uh, Texans podcast with us as well, um, so you've, you've come back for a double a double helping.
3: Yeah, it's very much so. I uh, covered the Falcons this year for uh, full press coverage, an American site, and I uh, I actually led a team of uh, very enthusiastic Falcon fans at the start of the season and. And by about week 11, trying to get any of them to slip some, uh, to get out of their depression and write was was uh, causing me a bit of a headache, bless them. It, it took them all by a bit of surprise. Yeah. Uh, they were still trying to talk me into it, two and four, that they were going to make the playoffs, yeah. So it, um, it hit them hard and it was, it was a tough season. It went wrong early and it went wrong hard. It did.
0: And of course, um, the, the high hopes going into the season were all, all kind of on the back of the uh, Super Bowl being in their backyard, so to speak. Um, But if you want want to get in touch with Ben on Twitter, it's at BenRoll15, so he does quite a lot of good stuff for various different outlets there, so very much recommend you go and check him out. But let's talk about Atlanta then, so yeah, I'd say I I was a believer going into the season. Um, I suppose it's a bittersweet in a way. Uh, in in some ways, because Matt Ryan elevated his his game uh, this season, going kind of getting back to to his old numbers uh, of his of his MVP year four thousand nine hundred twenty four passing yards, which is only 20, 20 yards off his Super Bowl uh, MVP year. Touchdown percentage five point eight percent, which is second best in his career. So um, some some bits of of good there for Matt Ryan, but um, Benjamin, what what was the main the main reason that it all went wrong for Atlanta?
3: Well, um, we spoke about it with the Houston Texans when I was talking to you a little while ago, and it was injuries. It just it, it just sunk them fast and hard. I mean, first of all, the defence got completely ravaged by injuries. Dion Jones, a couple of... Others. Safeties went down. Um, the only bit of their defense, defense that actually stayed kind of healthy was their defensive line. And then they were largely ineffective. And, and it, it was the defense early. And then what happened was, just as it got to that crucial point of the season, they fought their way back to 4-4 four and four with a crucial win at the Washington Redskins. Yeah. And then their offensive line just seemed to fall apart again extremely injured, extremely banged up. They seem to be losing an offensive lineman all year, although if you watched any games live this year and you watched all the graphics that kept flashing up, it seemed like every team had a rotating door at every offensive line position. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a brutal... Position to play it. It's a rough and tumble position, and and that's what happened to the Falcons. Defensive injuries. Then just as the defense started to get clicking, the offensive line completely fell apart.
0: Yeah, like I say they went four and four, and then lost the next five, didn't they? But the, their schedule was was quite a brutal. <clears throat> excuse me, quite a brutal one, really. Those five losses um, at Browns, at home to Cowboys, obviously, which was again they 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 stormed to last season, which still. Gives me nightmares. Um Losing to at the Saints and then they played the Ravens uh, and the Packers as well. So that kind of killed their season there after week fourteen, being you know for what four and nine. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it just goes a bit under the radar and how tough the NFC South was. I know Carolina were hard at the start of the season, maybe not so much towards towards the ends, but yeah, NFC South. Uh, Historically, always quite competitive in any any division with Drew Brees, uh, wins are always going to come going to be hard to come by. And then obviously you have got the Buccaneers uh, in the, in the same division. They're they're a bit of a wild card as well. But um, yeah, I mean Steve Sarkeesian's now gone. Uh, Matt Ryan's got a history of struggling in in first seasons with new new guys, kind of giving giving him the kind of kind of training them and trying to implement their offenses. Do, do you see that that same thing again next year for Matt Ryan?
3: No, because they've brought in, I, I believe it's Dirk Cutter who's yeah. come in, yeah. um, and he's he, he he's got history in that run, so I, I do think there will be some level of comfort there, but my kind of concern with it is, is more the fact that I think Steve Sarkeesian actually bit a bullet that he probably didn't deserve to bite because the offence did pick up massively last year. I mean... You look; they ranked top five in 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 most passing statistics. The run game wasn't great, but again, the offensive line was damaged. I feel for Steve Sarkisian, and I do worry that we might get a little early season struggle from Matt Ryan. And I mean, it's it's this stage in his career where he they've got to be hitting it, and he's got to be at his very best because they're reaching that point where their team is starting to get to second contract kind yeah. of age, and yeah. they hit on a, quite a few draft classes, and and now they're they're in a bit of a mess. So. I hope it all gets clicking. From a fantasy purpose, I think Matt Ryan's going to be one of those guys. If you're a, if you're going to load up on running backs and wide receivers early in drafts, and then take some flyers on tight end and quarterback late, Matt Ryan's a, not a bad gamble. I, I really don't think. I think he'd be a perfect sort of second quarterback, sit on the bench, play the matchups kind of guy. Mm. Mm. I mean, what can you say? That they scored plenty of points against the Saints. They had plenty of opportunities this year. They were their biggest losses in in in. In house, so to speak, that they play eight games in a in a dome on a basically on a running track. They they're going to have the opportunity to score a lot of points, and I I think you'd be silly to shy away from Matt Ryan.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Matt Ryan was one of my quarterbacks this year in some leagues, and I love people like him, Philip Rivers. Um, we with, with gold mines this year, and they probably will be again next year. But let's talk about some other pieces on that offense. Um, no Devonta Freeman this year due to injury, uh, knee issues, and what have you. He should be back, uh, hopefully, fully healthy for next season. But let's talk about his um, his number two. He's one B, maybe maybe a two A. Who knows? Um, Tevin Coleman. Again, had had a bit of a funny season, really. Um, he's a free agent in in 2019. I don't really see him coming back. He could be the Jared McKinnon uh, of next year to to get a payday somewhere else. He's running back 18 though in standard, but didn't really feel like that.
3: No, no I know he set a career high in um, yards per attempt at 4.8, but it felt like he was just sort of running through treacle. And I think part of the problem is as much as he scored five touchdowns in the receiving game. He only averaged 8.6 yards per reception which was down on 11.1 and 13.6 in the previous two years and I think that was a big part of his game. He he was a great change of pace back but they can't afford to pay him so I think he is going to go elsewhere and um, Devonta Freeman's already among the top 10 best paid running backs and I yeah. don't think they can afford to lock up another one at that position. No. Ito Smith showed enough down the stretch of the season where I think they'll use him as their change of pace back and I don't know, it was just an underwhelming year from Coleman and I, I worry about him in a different system but we have to again acknowledge that that offensive line got ravaged they got behind in a lot of games They their game script led away from the run yeah. but what is extremely concerning to me is that in a contract year when they could put basically put Miles on his body they were splitting carries between him and Ito Smith yeah. and I know they needed to see what they had in Ito Smith but <laughs> doesn't seem logical to me and that, that suggests they didn't think he was up to it
0: yeah, that that say that that's exactly what I've got in my notes here. So, yeah, because they were letting Tevin Coleman, you know, seemingly go out the door, was that was that the reason that Tevin Common, you know, only averaged nine rush attempts in the last seven games? Um, so, yeah, part of it was seeing what they had in Ito Smith um, to to maybe back up Devonta Freeman next year. But was it a case of let's say again, part of it might be on the practice field he couldn't he couldn't shoulder the load. The load.
3: Yeah, I think I think he had the odd injury question mark, but I mean yeah. even once Ito Smith went out. Um, they used uh, Brian Hill at times they they stuck in Jeremy Langford for nine carries late in the season I just I found it a very bizarre situation where even when there was nobody really to try out they were trying things out and yeah. and yeah. I, I'm just not sure what that means and, and whether or not I'm going to invest high in Tevin Coleman no matter where he ends up I, obviously yeah. if he ends up in a dream sort of situation you go with it but I just
0: don't know if you're going to trust him. Mm. No, no, I, I totally agree. So just look at his stats last year, 167 attempts, which isn't great for a running back, uh, 800 yards and four touchdowns. And uh, like I say, they're on the, for receiving 32 receptions, 276 yards uh, and five touchdowns as well. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see where, I'd say, quite a lot of hype going into into the season for him, uh, especially when Devonta Freeman went down as well. You know, you're thinking it's the, it's the cliche contract year, you know, Tiffin Coleman's going to show what he can do and he's going to get a uh, Jared McKinnon-style contract uh, going into the 2019-2020 season, but I suppose, judging judging on that season, there's not going to be many takers.
3: No, I can't see... I mean, Jared McKinnon had a great final year in uh, Minnesota in terms of yeah. sort of his sort of impact that he made in games, whereas I don't feel like you can highlight more than the odd game where Tiffin Coleman made an impact, mm. and it... it it was a product of their defence struggling but towards the second half of the season the, the, the numbers don't look pretty mm. but the defense did a decent job in some games, and still, Tevin Coleman didn't step up and have have great games, and and that is a real issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, if you go back and have a look at his his kind of stats over his game logs over over the course of the season, there's a lot of games there where he's got 40 or 50 maybe scrimmage yards and one touchdown, uh, which is okay for fantasy because you, you're being saved there by the touchdown. But from an NFL perspective, that's that, that's not going to get the job done.
3: No, no. No one's going to keep handing you the ball if you're not making big big indents, and and I just. Think that again. The offense is so, was so pass heavy last year. They had so many great receiving weapons that it was very easy for the game script to get away from him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but talking about getting the job done, Houdier Jones, wide receiver five, there in standard scoring, top the receiving yards uh, for the season. Eight touchdowns, all after the bye week in week eight, which is quite funny. Uh, and nine games over a hundred yards. Um, he's he's playing at the top of his game.
3: Yeah. He's- Absolutely is. I, I think he could be a legitimate case for the number one receiver picked off the board next year, especially yeah. if you think he can carry on this kind of touchdown streak because he is such a dominant guy. He saw um, 10 targets in so many games this year. I mean, I think his lowest amount of targets was five in Week 16 and he was banged up then. Other than that, he never saw... Oh, he did see six in that first New Orleans game, but that was the Calvin Ridley went crazy game. Yeah. So, yeah. um. He, he just was such a big part of the offense, and he will be again. Um, Calvin Ridley's good, but he's not gonna—he's not gonna become the number one overnight. He, no. He's more like he's gonna play complimentary yeah. kind of guy. Uh, Austin Hooper's a, a decent talent there, but again, he's not gonna take a huge amount of um, looks away from Julio Jones. And I just think that they—they want to find such creative ways to get Julio. I can't imagine Dirk Cut has been hired without. Basically, swearing on the Bible and an oath to everything that he holds sacred that he's going to get Julio Jones the ball as many times as he can in a game because mm-hmm. that's the key to the Falcons winning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's quite funny, actually. There's a point in the season, wasn't there, that Calvin Ridley was going absolutely mental, and I don't think Julio Jones had scored any touchdowns on the season. And uh, people in fantasy, fantasy land were going absolutely mental uh, with their hands up in the air screaming and didn't quite know what to do. But then, obviously, Calvin Ridley. Kind of, I wouldn't say dropped off, but like I say, probably played the, played the complementary role, if if you like, and say that would well, probably be the trend uh, going in, into next season. Uh, but Calvin really, obviously, flashing what he could do. Looking in, into into the off season, then in the, in the drafts, what, um, what 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 would you say is the, the top priority there for Atlanta? Because they've got the, they've got the decent defense. Yeah, it was just just in, injuries that ravaged them. So would you say more depth there, uh, or is maybe their other areas offensive line?
3: You took the word right out of my mouth. It's depth. Um, They need depth on the offensive line because they showed that once they lost those first guys, they didn't have a cohesive unit. Um, We've seen other teams um, take offensive line guys that have then grown into the position. You look at the Patriots offensive line now, when they took those guys, they were all backups. They weren't high-profile guys. They're now one of the best offensive lines in the business. You, You need to get those young guys in and build from that point it's fine keep bringing in these veterans who know your offense but you eventually need to just get talented guys in there that can step in and, and make an impact mm. matt ryan's a very good quarterback and if he's throwing from a clean pocket he's going to have absolute field days um especially at home in that environment um defense again you're right just depth one of the big things to come out of this season was fit beasley didn't show up but the guys in the middle, Grady Jarrett and the British lad Crawford, he showed up. He made impact. He's a depth guy, but he made impact. Um, Tack McKinley, who very sadly had to be hospitalized recently for in a, men- uh, for a in a mental institute or something along those lines, mm. the story wasn't 100% clear. Mm. Hopefully he gets right. But otherwise, pass rush is probably the position they need somebody the most. Um even if it's defensive tackle pass rush, if it's getting, if Quinn, Quinn and Williams drops in the draft, get hold of him, get him in there. I, I doubt he falls to them, but that's the kind of guy they're looking for. They're looking for strength on the, on the defensive line, set up with a strong defensive line, and then the rest will follow. You'll get your safeties back Demonte Monte Casey. looks absolutely yeah, brilliant this did. year. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if they get him playing sort of that roving sort of roaming role in the middle of the field and just basically playing center field and picking pick trying to pick things off Mm. if they can afford to do that he's going to be an absolute monster for them so i think defensive line and offensive line get the battle of the trenches won. get tough in those spots and they'll have a real shot of putting up really good offensive numbers and having a good defense next year
0: yeah because either one of the uh, one of the stars of that uh, that land. i think he did he lead the league in, in interceptions or something was it was that right
3: I, I, I believe he did, or yeah. he was—he was right up there towards yeah. the end of the season. Um, I sort of sort of lost track on interception season leaders. By the end of the year, it went a bit went a bit crazy in certain places. I'm just trying to have a have a look actually. Uh, oh, I can find I can find the quarterback that had the most passes intercepted. That's not
0: <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> Um And just just finally on, on the off season, what what happens there in that backfield? Is it is it going to be a one two punch there with Vito Smith and Devonta Freeman, or do you think something funky might happen there as well?
3: I think it will be. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them spend a late round draft pick on a kind of more receiving specialist in yeah. the backfield, if yeah. that makes sense. Someone yeah. that can come in on third down. Uh, um, but again, late in the late in the draft, it's hard to find a blocker. So a lot's going to depend on how Ito Smith blocks. It might be that they decide to bring in a veteran. That That would suggest to me that's why they tried Jeremy Langford out in that final game to mm. see how he would do things like blocking and stuff like that. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Brian Hill. That's the other guy that they have in-house at the moment. He looked he looked solid in stretches. So um, Freeman's going to come back as the number one, but their system, as it ran for the last few years, has always been to have that one-two punch. Now, Dirk Cutter had such a mess in Tampa Bay with running backs. We never really got to understand what yeah. his kind of running back philosophy is over the last few years. Yeah. So it will be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I would spend a decent round draft pick on Devonta Freeman, especially... If they get offensive line improvement and yep. more depth there, yep. and then I would take a, maybe a flyer on Ito Smith later in the draft.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you that question. What what round do you see self taking Devonta Freeman? Because he was a you know, years and years. Over the last couple of years, he's been a perennial, uh, you know, end of the first, middle of the second round type of guy. Um, but this this year, I can see him dropping in drafts uh, just because of the, the issues with with injury. And, you know, it's not a case of an ACL tear. There's something a bit more deep, uh, deep-rooted in there with Devonta Freeman. So there's a bit of a higher injury risk than maybe some others. Um, but I, I think he could be a bit of a steal come, come draft season.
3: Yeah, and there's also a, a little bit of a concussion history with him as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously a major problem. I mean, he's got the, the, this obvious this problem with his whatever it was in his legs. There seems to be multiple different problems up and down his legs. But um, health is always going to be a problem with him. But the running back position, it's quite shallow. And I think... He, I can see people taking him late second, sort of third round, but you might be right, you might get decent value on him in the fourth round. I was just trying to bring up an early mock draft that I was involved in to see where he went. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I think, yeah, I think as as we see the situation solidify, we hear more about him coming into um, off-season workouts. We sort of get a feel for his health. Yeah. And we sort of see what they're gonna do. I think I think you could see him climb as high as late second, but yeah, I think yeah. more realistically you're looking at third, fourth round.
0: Yeah. Yeah, be interesting one to see how that kind of pans out. Be interesting to see obviously the Atlanta off season there and maybe how they go into twenty nineteen and say maybe a bit underwhelming uh, last season. But if you if you've got a word for Atlanta fans out there on well, yeah, one word for them to look into the twenty nineteen season, what what would you what would you grade it?
3: Consistency. They season. they need consistency on both sides of the ball offensively they, they showed a lot but they didn't have enough offensive consistency running the running the ball and in tight games they couldn't finish. You you look at the amount of times they, they struggled in games where the opposing team scored in the 20 point range. I mean, just go right back to the first game of the season with the Philadelphia Eagles. They couldn't even get over 18 points. Their defence played beautifully. Same with their defence. Just get whoever is on the field no matter what player it is. You need to be consistent. You need the guy that's coming in for Deion Jones to be playing, not 100% as well as Deion Jones, but 75%, 80% as well as Deion Jones. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have the same problems over again. Nobody stays healthy for 16 games. Yeah. You just can't do it. And, and and that was so crucial for them last year. They had so many opportunities to win games. You, you just look in those first first four weeks they could have been 4-0 if the ball had bounced differently they could have beaten the Eagles if they'd put the ball in the end zone yeah. the Saints they lost in overtime the Bengals they they lost on in the last minute mm. if if they played with more consistency in those games they're 4-0 and this season looks very different mm.
0: yeah absolutely hopefully we can maybe get a bit of value going into 2019-2020 into for them but that's going to wrap us up for Falcons Talk Ben thank you so much for coming on and breaking that all down for us
3: no problem I really enjoyed it and uh and um, looking forward to uh, everything going forward with the off season.
0: OK, next up on the NFC South podcast, we have the Carolina Panthers 7-9 record last season, third in the NFC South, but uh, the, the, the final record there telling a bit of a different story than perhaps what went on this season. And to break it down for us and have a nice little concoction for you listeners out there, we have uh, Oliver Harvey-Jones from the Royal Riot UK Twitter handle and uh, a former prize winner of the Full 10 Yards podcast, uh, Adrian Drake. Adrian, uh, how is your Larry Fitzgerald jersey uh, doing you?
4: Um, believe it or not, I actually contacted NFL Vintage UK um, to see if they uh, could kind of do me some kind of swap, and they actually hooked me up with uh, a, a, an old retro Reebok Panthers um, quarter zip jacket, which uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a love with it. Like, but um, I was glad to see the Fitzgerald jersey go. I loved it, like, but <laughs> no, I, I was delighted they they get a wee return and get get some Panthers gear on board.
0: No, absolutely, and Oliver, we welcome you in to the, the podcast as well. Uh, funny, funny season uh, for for the Panthers. We, we'll start off. Uh, you know the expectations uh, coming into the season. Um, you know a couple of storylines where that was that. You know Christian McCaffrey was was told by Romo Verde that he was going to get the bulk of the carries, which you know looking at the the, the actual figures turned out to be true. Uh, you know two hundred nineteen carries, where the next running back on the Depth chart was CJ Anderson. He got cut halfway through the season with, with twenty-four. Now I know Cam Newton obviously is a is a running quarterback, and he had trible, he had one hundred and one uh, rushing attempts. Did you did you buy into Ron Rivera's comments about Christian McCaffrey getting the bulk of the of the load? And how, how obviously he did well. But what was your thoughts on on kind of transitioning to to him getting the bulk of the carries? Um, I think yeah you know,
2: yeah he's he's a dual threat, and, and you know I I have an argument with a few friends of mine who say uh, he's just a slot receiver. Um, you know, I, I obviously argue the point. Uh, you know, he is a dual threat, and, and he he's obviously taken the, the, a lot of the carries and, and has proved that he can run between the tackles now. Um, but what he's also doing is, is he's um, giving Cam the the check checkdown option. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, working with North Turner, who who's said he was going to get his accuracy up. Um, and he did, obviously, you know, when things were going well and he could actually still throw the ball more than about three metres. Mm, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I think... I, I kind of thought it was a bit of hyperbole from Ron, but in actual fact, it it turned out to, to be the case. And, and I think, you know, if you look at the numbers McCaffrey had last year, you know, it proved that it was a, it was a good call. And, and really, I, I don't think he quite gets the respect that he deserves as a running back because I yeah. think a lot of people see the amount of receptions he gets. Yeah. Um, but he's uh, if you're in a PPR league, then he should be very, very high up your draft boards.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is a runner five yards per carry and over 100 receptions. Uh, and that's 100 receptions for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, there, was, there were some games where he was getting absolutely ridiculous numbers. But you're right there what you're saying, uh, Oliver. Cam Newton, uh, 67.9% completion rate. Uh, for for the season, obviously the highest uh, since he entered the league. Adrian, come to you now. Do you do you reckon that those two uh, were the were the main reason CJ Anderson was was relieved of his duties in the team?
4: I, I really don't understand that at all. They brought CJ Anderson, and, and I kind of thought he would have taken the 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 power back role the, the, from Jonathan Stewart. Um, I don't know if it was further um, the coaches forever. I, I believe that that media hype is. Um, was said there about McCaffrey not being a good fit there on between the tackles but uh, I, I first time I would have kept CJ Anderson and uh, taken the, the load off Cam uh, I think the, the, they wanted to get more out of um, CMC they, they, they got it in the first year massively mm-hmm. and obviously we we North on board yeah. they, they took the weight off Cam in the passing day. but uh, in the running game I think looking forward they're, they're definitely going to have to pick someone up um, mm-hmm. I can't see Happy uh, next year, taking it um, every day for With regards to running the ball, it's just he can't do it. There's no doubt about it. Mm. He can run outside. He can run a sweep. He can, can run between the packers, But you know, how long can he do that for? And as well mm. line up in the slot and try to take passes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. First first eight weeks of the season, it seemed to whatever their plan was seemed to seemed to go according to plan. Obviously wins against Dallas in opening week. Uh, Cincinnati, New York Giants, uh, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Tampa Bay—you know, some tough teams in there. <sighs> Obviously, from from that point, um, Oliver, where where did it kind of go wrong? Because you know, then the the L column started to tot up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think look, six and two is, is a great record. There, there were some cracks appearing during that run, though. I mean, if you look at the was sixty four yarder from uh, from Gano um, to win it at the death against the Giants. Yeah. Um, you know Washington was obviously a loss. But I mean that that really could have been a, a win as well. It was, it, it didn't, it wasn't great. There wasn't that sort of killer instinct. What we did have was some real excitement on on the offense, so which is something um, under Schuler we didn't have. So it was it was really refreshing at first. I, I think where it all went completely wrong was was the Steelers game, which was the uh, uh, the prime time game mm. where we just got. Completely blown out, mm. um, and, and that was also the the game where uh, Cam got hit really, really hard uh, on his shot on his throwing shoulder as well. Mm. Um, and from there, it just went downhill very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, as Cam couldn't didn't have that deep threat, you know, defenses worked it out pretty quickly. Yeah. So suddenly, you know the, the the number of plays that we could run was massively limited. So. They they knew how to scheme for us. They could defend us a lot better, uh, and unsurprisingly, we you know the the L's just kept on coming. So, yeah,
0: yeah no, no, absolutely.
2: Game, really.
0: Yeah, that Steelers game on was the Thursday night game, wasn't it? Where you know yeah. the first drive and the second drive, you know they were, they were they were keeping toe to toe with the Steelers, but then it kind of just got got away from them a little bit, didn't it? The Pittsburgh Steelers were just were just scoring for fun. But uh, Adrian, obviously one of the bright sparks. You say Oliver was saying there, obviously the the, the offense uh, had a bit more excitement to it, and one of those reasons obviously was DJ Moore, um, first round pick in 20, 2018, had had a really good season, 788 yards. Uh, where you know as the season wore on, more design plays to him. Is he is he the key? The key. I know we'll, we'll touch on Greg Olson uh, very shortly, but is DJ Moore the key to key to the Carolina Panthers offense in in 2019?
4: I think he's going to play a massive part. Um, the, it's, it's the downfield threat I think more they have to be focused on. You know, Moore um, with the uh, simple catches, it's the yards after catches that, that he's got, that I think the, the biggest threat. Um, he kind of seems more of a slot guy. Mm. I think he could play away, but uh, yeah, definitely going forward, I think. People are comparing to Steve Smith. The, the, the exact same similarities. You know, he goes up and gets the ball and It's not happy with just um, taking, the, taking the 10, 15, 20 yards or whatever and, and taking the hit. He wants the yards after catch. Mm. He showed that in the, um, the Falcons game mm. where, where he picked off when I, I went. But I think I would like to see um, somebody out wide. But again, this is going back to Cam and how Tam uh, recovers for next year. Uh, as Oliver said, there was no there was no deep threat mm. sort of after week week ten the Newton up and teams picked up on it easily and I think going forward they definitely had to look at mm. uh, I like think another tech in type player or developer Samuel Day they'd be more of a, a deep threat he, he was a lot of, he was, they played around special teams and a few trick plays and stuff that, that Nord dialed up but I would like to see him go more vertical and, and that Cam mm. uh, net rip.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oliver, when when players like Greg Olsen, like I mentioned there, Devin Funches as well, he's a big bodied guy. When those, you know, Greg Olsen went down um, for the most part of this season, you know, your vertical game there, because Greg Olsen is he's, he's not too bad going up the seam in the middle of the, of the field. Uh, and Devin Funchess, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's a free agent or, you know, going to hit the free agency market uh, this summer. What DJ Moore obviously opens up the playbook a little bit for, uh, for Caroline to go with McCaffrey and Cam Noon but uh, is there anyone in particular that you'd like to see come in over, you know, either through the draft or free agency that, to, to help with that vertical threat?
2: Um, I mean, I, I think you know, we are going to need more wide threats especially as you know, Greg isn't getting any younger um, you know, he was the first tight end to have 3,000 yard receiving seasons yep. on, on the trot so you know we missed a lot of yards there. Um, you know, in terms of um, who, who we've got currently, you know we've got Samuel, who I think could actually pick up a bit of the slack um, as that sort of speed speed receiver that, that we used to have in Ginn. But hopefully he's better at catching the ball than, than Ted Ginn was for us. <laughs> um, but I think um, with with more, I, th- I think what we've got there is um a real talent. I think he's gonna have a massive second season because, you know, he put up some pretty good numbers, but in actual fact he, he barely played for the first couple of months of the season. I think people people are kind of overlooking that fact. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I think we need we need some uh, some um, threats in a wide receiver, probably through free agency. Um but really I think, you know I think we're probably gonna come onto this but um, I imagine through the draft we're going to be looking at, at a lot more alignment um, than than wide threats. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And Adrian, is there in terms of in terms of uh, positions of need? What 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 do you think the Carolina Panthers should be should be addressing or put their main focus on in the in this off season?
4: Um, I think, it's, as Oliver said, they're definitely line, I think, um, <coughs> Cam's protection is the first thing. Um, excuse me. Uh, cornerback, I'd like to see another cornerback play opposite Jackson. I think the the secondary's got another corner in there beside beside Jackson. And then you've got really to see if they think um, that would be pretty decent. As I said earlier, I would like to see uh, another running back there too. Um, the The wide receiver the free edge is loaded with wide receivers: um, Golden Tate, Tyrell Williams, John Brown Randall Cobb. The name a few, you know, guys guys who could be that vertical threat. Yeah. <coughs> Mm. Um, some people are saying about tight end, obviously with Olsen not, not knowing what's happening there, but I think from what I've seen from me and Thomas and Bannerts that if Olson was to hang around for another year um, and play but also also uh, and and learn that the that what he's learned to mm. Thomas and Banners could be massive. Mm. Um mm. linebacker too possibly, um, Thomas Davis obviously gone a free agency. The sleeves look keekly on there. Um, so Kalid retired. It's, there's there's quite a few needs there, mm. but I think the, I think the main one has to be sewing up that line and keeping keeping calm, healthy, and, and then try and mm. try and work, work the magic with, with uh, the Lord and the trick plays that they got uh, a lot of success from uh, last year.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. As I say, the name the name my my ears, isn't it pricked up a bit there when you said John Brown to the Panthers? That could be quite an interesting one. Um, yeah, Ooh, that's uh, that's got my that's got my wetted my appetite a little bit. But Oliver, all do you, do you, uh, do you agree? Is it, line, is it line first, and then you know whatever else that we we can, you can kind of get because it's a draft that yeah you know yeah is deep in linemen uh, on both sides of the ball. So would you expect uh, Carolina to, to go early in the draft in those positions?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we we had a lot of, of injuries uh, early in the season, and and given how. You know, our line was packed together. It was actually surprising how well they did because we were we were into some real depth. You know, we, we picked up guys who came in without sort of even having many training sessions and were, were being told, I think it was Clark who was being told at the line what the play was and what he had to do because he hadn't even had time to look at the playbook. So, you know, we had our struggles there. Um, I think we did better than was expected. But you know it still wasn't good enough, and we've got to keep Cam clean, um, especially if he's nursing injuries and, mm. and you know can't be taking too many hits. You know he takes enough hits himself as as a runner. Yeah, you know you don't need him getting sacked even more because he's just going to get beaten up. Mm.
0: Yeah, Cam Newton obviously going through uh, arthroscopic surgery uh, on that shoulder, and, uh, and yeah, should be fine for the start of the season. But Oliver, we'll stay with you so. You know Ron Rivera. Do we, can we can you or you as a Panthers fan? Do you trust him when he's coming? He's been there what eight years now, um, you know, 128 games, 71, 56 and one record. Do you trust that he can still do it for the Panthers? Because were you know, are you surprised maybe that he wasn't a bit more in the hot seat. I know there's a few people whispering that he might be one of the coaches to go. But ultimately, they, they you know that the, the guys there in the back office decided to keep him on. Do you do you think that's a wise move?
2: I, I can kind of see both sides of it. I know some people are really sort of anti him, and, and um, there's not many people sort of massively pro him anymore. It's kind of indifferent or anti, it seems to be from from what I hear. But um, I, I can kind of see what they look, what they're doing. You know, Tepper when he came in said he you know, he wants um, you know a defensive minded coach, and and if you look at some of our um, defense last year, you kind of wonder um, you know what Ron was doing. I mean with, with um, Eric Washington getting relieved of, of the play calling the, the defense actually did improve um for the last couple of games of the season um so I think you know Ron's you know he, he got us to a Super Bowl so he knows what he's doing there's there's obviously some errors that he's made along the way and he went through a pretty bad spell mm-hmm. um but you know from from what I've been um hearing from people I've spoken to to speak to a lot of people who are out in out in Charlotte. They're saying that he's um he's not big on the the analytical and and the statistical side of the game um and, and it's something that they're they're keen for him to do more of and and you know they think that by doing that they' they're, they're going to start seeing some better results so I think that's what their ask of him is mm. so it'll be interesting to see how next season pans out and and if it is something they start to use a little bit more of because you know we've got a new owner in now we've got a team president in now. I think, you know, the first year they said, we're not going to rock the boat, we're not going to do too much different. Um, I think we're going to start seeing some more changes now. Mm. Um, You know, as as we've got Tom Glick, who's the former CRO of Man City. So in terms of like global branding, in terms of being very forward thinking, you know, that's kind of what Man City are known for these days. Mm. Um, So I think that's something that Glick's going to want to put his stamp on at the Panthers. And we're probably going to start seeing more of his, as time goes on, mm.
0: yeah, and I mean it's quite interesting actually. I've got uh, Ron uh, you know past seasons. He's never actually had two winning seasons in a row. It's always been alternate win, winning record, losing record. So um, you know, if you if that trend's going to continue into 2019, uh, next year should be a winning record. Which you know, considering you know the, the talent there at quarterback and running back and. Yeah, you, you, you're not surprised if they do. They do finish up with a win record, but of course, Adrian. You know the Carolina Panthers. First time they're going to be coming over to Wembley this season. Uh, I I assume that you'll you'll be doing the damnedest to get there.
4: Uh, most certainly, yeah. Um, as you can tell by accent, I'm not I'm not English or Scottish or Welsh. I actually live in a wee village called Bushmills, in, in northern Ireland So yeah, unfortunately, it's my fifth wedding anniversary this year. So we've tripped uh, planned the planned to trip the the Edinburgh, it's also the the Open Golf, which is about five miles away from me. I've purchased tickets for that. I um, know these guys are coming over in hopefully October time. But I think, yeah, they than kind of pulling out all the stops, putting in the extra shifts at work or whatever they, to to get over. Um, yeah. Yeah. Trying to get to the States to get to watch them, and it's kind of a big ask at the moment. Obviously, with a, a wife and two kids and a couple of cars. But, <laughs> no, definitely, I, I would be excited. I think the fact that it's a, a divisional roundup or a divisional game as well, um, adds a bit of spice to it mm. I would like to uh, I'm looking forward to meet, meeting other Panthers whenever whenever I get there the, the fan base has grown massively mm. um, over the past three, four, five years and I don't know if, uh, if that's in regards to the, the Super Bowl appearance or, or the Cam Newton uh, I it's funny, walking around um, Northern Ireland here I, I tend to ask, I see a Panthers fan you know, how did they end up falling, mm. falling the Carolina Panthers just to see their, their version of, of, of how, how it became falling, but no, definitely I am looking I'm looking forward to it now, I would like to see it um hopefully if it's if it's ready at the new Spurs stadium. I think that new Spurs stadium looks looks absolutely incredible. I've been to Wembley a few times for, for, for soccer so So yeah, I'm looking forward to we we'll catch up with the uh, with a few fellow um Panther Panther fans.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Oliver, you obviously, of course, the UK version of the you know, the Royal Right, which is the the, the community of Caroline Panth- Panthers fans over in the US, you have the UK version. So I assume that uh, a lot a lot of buzz going going on with your with your Twitter handle and, and organising you know fan meetups and, and and the like.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, working with um, the Royal Right in the US, um, we've got a thousand people all coming together um, for. Um, ranging between four and, and seven nights depending on what package they got we got uh chartered flights so we got riot air is it's, it's going to be a real thing um, <laughs> coming over from the states um yeah we're gonna have a huge tailgate we've got pub crawls we've got uh royal riot uh, welcome party on, on one of the nights as well which is going to be open to everybody so even non-members as well that's going to be opened up to them um probably going to be a big 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 venue that's you know, big enough to hold about a thousand people, so <laughs> it should be good fun. We're gonna we're gonna paint London black and blue, mm. uh, and uh, make sure everyone knows that the Panthers are in town.
0: Absolutely, Adrian. I'm sure that's something that you would uh, very much be uh, very much looking forward to as well, getting involved with that. But uh, before we sign off, fellas, uh, Adrian, we'll, we'll go with you first. Going into 2019 season, and how what, you know, what, how optimistic are we that we uh, we, can, we can see a Panthers winning record and maybe a playoff appearance? Because it, it, I, I assume that the, the, that would be the goal, to, is to make the playoffs. I know it's a tough division there in the, the NFC South, but uh, I suppose you know if you're not aiming for the playoffs, you're, you're doing it wrong.
4: I think um, to get back to the playoffs, yes, it's the main goal. The, the NFC South is loaded. I can't see the, the, the Bucs being as poor as they were the, uh, this year, next year. Um, obviously, the change of the coaching staff. The, the Saints will be back again as they always are um in the Falcons too but uh yeah, I would certainly take them in a record i think it all depends on, on how well they draft and who they keep and who they release um i, I think i think funches has gone i think Tory smith's gone um so that's going to free up some some cap i'd I like to see a couple of new guys coming in, in mm. um and say with we, a deep threat mm. and then sort up the line on the draft the drafts I think, as we all know, it's, it's quite heavily favoured in the defensive side of the ball, especially for first two, two three rounds. Mm. So, yeah, I, I'd, be nice to, I'd be nice to have them make it in the playoffs and say that, you know, get into Wembley or um, Spurs New Stadium are taking them next year and say that uh, my son, have and a Carolina Panthers team in mm. um, our own country mm. making the playoffs would be even, even better if they got the, got the Super Bowl. But I, I just think there's a lot of work done. And as Oliver mentioned, as regards to the new, the new owner and um, David Pepper, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's not a quick fix. It's going to maybe take three, three, four years, and I think a lot of patience is required. But, but uh, yeah,
0: playoffs will be lovely. Yeah, and Oliver, last word with you then. So, if I if I offered you either a win a win at uh, in London for the Carolina Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or a, a playoff berth, which will obviously cause you but a, a, a Carolina loss in London, which one which one would you take? The playoff berth or the or the London win?
2: This, that is just so cruel. That, that. <laughs> I, that's that is so so harsh. Um, I I think I probably go with the playoff, and, and the reason for that is that I'm I'm lucky enough that I, I go over to the states a couple of times a year anyway. So I hope to to see a couple of <laughs> couple of wins while I'm there and and, and take the playoffs.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, yeah, quite interesting question, that isn't it? I think that's. Uh, I think if you. Uh, Brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> might, might have to do that a bit more often with some of our guests. But uh, okay, so yeah, that, I mean that's pretty much Carolina then uh, covered. Gents, I, I want to wish you all, uh, wish you all the best when you if you go and obviously watch the game. I'm, I, root, I root for a win for you uh, when they play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But thank you both so much for coming on. Really enjoyed the, the Panthers chat. Pleasure. No problem. Thanks
4: very much. Appreciate it.
0: Okay, it's time to put on your bandanas, it's time to get out your cutlasses, get on your ships and raise the skull and crossbones It's and give it a good old yarr! it's time to talk <laughs> Buccaneers and we've got a couple of guys uh, who are well known to the podcasting industry to break it all down for us. First off... We have Tom Griffiths uh, from the Head on, uh, Head on a Swivel podcast uh, at Griff rights if you want to get in contact with him uh, on Twitter. And of course, our friends over from the Five Yard Rush podcast, Adam Maverick Murph, is also on the, completing the trifecta. Guys, welcome you in to the podcast. Thank you for jumping on and spending 15 minutes to talk about the Bucks. No problem. <laughs>
2: Couldn't Adam, think of a better thing to talk about. <laughs>
0: give us, Adam, <laughs> Adam give, us a, give us your pirate impression. Oh... <laughs> Tommy, can you beat that? I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing that.
5: <laughs> God, draw the line there,
0: guys. <laughs> um, okay, that was an interesting start to the podcast, um, or the segment even. But uh, yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a bit of a funny one uh, in 2018, five and 11, obviously bottom of the NFC South, two and four in the division. If it. <sighs> <laughs> I suppose I've just watched Dancing on an Ice at the time of recording. This is the twenty seventh of January. I've just seen Gemma Collins fall flat on her face in Dancing on an Ice, and I suppose that's actually quite a good microcosm of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers season. Nice little pirouette and uh, dance all before with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first couple of games, and then falling flat on your face uh, and just yeah, words words escape me to try try and describe that one. But Adam, we we'll start we we'll start with you. If you if you had to give uh, one word to the Buccaneers twenty eighteen season, what would it be?
6: Um, shambolic,
0: shambolic. Tom, any any improvements on there?
6: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna go.
5: I was gonna go with disappointing, but shambolic works for me
0: too. Mm. I I put down the word stalled. Um, not mm. in, not in the sense of stuff that comes out of your rear end, but uh, as in like a car that kind of stalls out of the old uh, driveway. Although you could probably put both in, and it would uh, it would probably work. But uh, yeah, well,
6: <laughs> well, if you if you allow me a sort of a, a way to describe the season. It's kind of like how it started is having the best night out of your life. Um, So you're out, you've had the absolute best night of your life. You've woken up, you can't remember half of it. You've ended up taking an Uber all the way to Oldham. Um, You're absolutely, you wake up in a train station, cannot remember where you are, don't have your wallet or your keys and you're trying to find your way home, you can't remember what happened you know, at the very start of the night as to why it was so good. So it just transpires to be the worst nightmare that you can live through, <laughs> and that is the Bucks 2019 season in a, in a summary. Yeah.
0: Fair fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not quite sure where you're starting off with that, Uber to get to Oldham, but I suppose if you're, <laughs> it wouldn't be expensive if you're just down the road, but if you're up here in Scotland, it might cost you a fair bit of a whack um, let's let's break it down then chaps. So first couple of games obviously coming into the season Jameis Winston suspended the first couple of games of the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick doing what he does best and uh, coming in and stealing starts in the NFL. Uh, whether you love him or hate him that's what he does. Um Tom we'll come to you first. <coughs> Excuse me. Um yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick come in lit it up. Setting high, yeah. high setting high in yards beating the Saints, the Eagles week 1 and 2. Um yeah, he's passed about rating 156 144. What 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 was it? What was it like in the those first three games with Ryan Fitzpatrick?
5: Yeah, I think it, the season. Yeah, it's such a long time ago now. Like harking back to the start of the season, it feels like a world away. But yeah, huge excitement at the start of the season. I mean, clearly the box came out the gate better than I think any any fan really hoped or definitely expected. Um, yeah, the Steelers game on Monday night was was a strange one. I think Fitzpatrick. Played quite poorly in that one, particularly to start off, and and then the late comeback, which showed up in a few other games later in the season, kind of came into play. Um, I think the key. I think the key point for me was, you know, getting those victories over the Saints and the Eagles and such a good start. I did always, I did always wonder how long we could kind of keep that, keep that going. Mm. And I think with Fitzpatrick really put the the team in a difficult spot because. All of the chat was, you know, is Winston going to get the, the job back as soon as he comes back from that suspension? I think given the way Fitzpatrick was playing, it was very, very difficult to take that away from him. But what I would say is Fitzpatrick, for me, throughout his career, has been one of these kind of purple patch QBs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes through a great period, but there's a, there's a, guy, I follow, a guy, guy I follow on Twitter, like well-known kind of NFL talking head, and he always uses the phrase, you are what you are. And I think with Fitzpatrick, he is a journeyman player. And I think it was all going to kind of come crashing down at some stage. So it really put us in a bad bind. And I would have preferred to go straight back to Winston, I think. Looking back in hindsight, I think that would have been a better, better way for us to continue on the season rather than the, the horrible mismatch, mismatch that then kind of came on from, is it Fitzpatrick, is it Winston, who's going to be QB this week or,
3: or that week?
0: Yeah, I mean that was obviously a storyline that dominated, uh, you know, the QB carousel in Tampa Bay across the season. But uh, Adam, obviously Fitzpatrick stayed in till week five, the week five bye, <clears throat> but that week four showing sure, against the Bears, you know, forty eight to ten, absolutely drubbing. That was uh, that was quite something, wasn't it?
6: It absolutely was, but it wasn't the wrong decision to play Fitzpatrick in that oh, no, game. It no. was a sh- it was a short turnaround. You know, we'd been on Monday night football and. James Winton had not practiced. You know, you can do all the training you want to do outside of the facility. We do the buy was coming up. It was a good strategy. Probably the only bit of strategy, I think Dirk kind of got right in the season, was to play Fitzpatrick in that game. The failings was not the offense. It was the, the defense in that game. You know, the, the Bears scored. It was just wheel routes, wheel route, touchdown, wheel yeah. route, touchdown, wheel route, touchdown. Like, it was, it was just the same play. And, you know... It, it was the, the defense. And by the time you, you're 30 nothing down, what's the point? Like, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm. And, you know, it was a, it was an absolute farce. But I, I don't think putting that game on, on Fitzpatrick is, is kind of fair. But he was always, I think, going to be the provisional starter for, for week four. And and, he, and this, after, after the three performances he put in, I know he was terrible first half against the Steelers, but second half he was incredible. Mm. Two mm. great performances to start the week. NF, NFC Player of the Week twice. Offensive to play the week twice in the first two weeks of the season he deserved to play that game and yeah. make your pivot in week five yeah yeah in the bye and then, and that's what the, the buccaneers did and I think yeah it wasn't the wrong play I just think that game was that game was the game that Mike Smith should have been fired mm.
0: yeah, yeah I can see that point. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I'm doing a disservice there to Fitzpatrick. I didn't, I didn't mean to pin that all on him, but yeah, he was. I suppose he was benched because of the scoreline rather than his, than his perhaps play. But Winston obviously came in towards the end of that game and then proceeded to start week six, seven, and eight. Six touchdowns, ten interceptions. Uh, so that didn't quite work out, and Fitzpatrick came back in.
6: Yeah, and the, and I think he's been. You know, the reason that it, this is why preseason, everyone knocks preseason and everybody goes, oh well. Do you really need that many practice games? James Winston was well short. He was well short when he came back, um, but he's a franchise QB. Um, the play calling was suspect as well. Um, but at the end of the day, he he's always going to throw turnovers. But when you've not had a preseason, you've not had time to play with your your fries If he's doing that in the first game of preseason, nobody really bats tonight. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. fact that he's done it in his first game back. It's, it's all in the second game back. It's, it's like, well, he needed time to find his receivers. You can't beat time on the field with mm. your guards. Yeah, not have not had that. Yeah, and the, I think the biggest mistake happened in this week was or this period was Dirk Cutter took the plays off Todd Monkey, yeah, the from the juices off, and as a result, he started to go with what he knows. And that dynamic down the field offense that has steered us so well in the opening games just disappeared. Uh, Deshaun Jackson didn't get sniffed, and he was arguably one of our, uh, you know, biggest weapons going into that. So, I think that was the, the you know, people can look at wins and go, he's a turnover machine, and, and he is to a degree. But when he's when you're lacking minutes on the field and practice and and a preseason, that's what's going to happen.
5: Yeah, and I think just quickly on that one, I mean, the big mistake for me for the Carter made was was sending Winston to the bench in in that Bengals game I mean look you're absolutely right he hadn't started the season well but the way the way Dirk Cut was going on it was like it was the first time a quarterback had thrown four picks in a game in the history of the NFL I mean look there's a hell of a list of quarterbacks that have had shocking games that I think I think we did a piece earlier on in, in the season on our podcast on this like it's not, you know, it's a who's who of players that have had that kind of game, and it's not good for the quarterback's confidence sending him to the bench. And I think ultimately it's the wrong decision for our season. You know, Jameis Winston, it, for me, is still the guy going forward in Tampa, and I think it was a, it was a mistake to to dump him to the bench and and really put us into a a horrible situation there on out.
0: Mm. Well, Adam, why do what do you think it was that he brought Fitz back in again again for the, for for that period? What was it? Was he trying to do there apart from being yeah, I don't know. Being stupid
6: Keep his job. Well, but the, the problem is, and, and, and if you want to look at the the, the twenty eighteen season for the Buccaneers, for me, the the biggest mistake made was bringing Dirk Cutter back for for twenty eighteen. Mm. Um, he he said this break in his press conference that it was a brave decision for Jason Light and the owners to to bring him back, and he knew he knew without any shadow of a doubt. He had to win 10 games. He, that was that was it. And you look at James Winston didn't look ready. He didn't look right. He didn't look anywhere near his best. And we can have as many opinions and thoughts, and there's a lot of logical ones as to why. And Fitzpatrick was a desperation play. It's uh, And listen, was it the wrong play? I, I don't really know at that time. You've got a quarterback that's not showing anything. The players in the dressing room wanted Fitzpatrick to play. And he had he felt the pressure. And ultimately, he just wasn't decisive. When he makes that decision to go from Winston back to Fitz, for me, he's just got to see that play out all the way through. Mm. You can't just keep them guessing week to week because this yeah. is where the, the downfall happened. I don't mind him going to Winston in week six. I think that was the right decision. I didn't even mind him going to Fitzpatrick the first time because he'd earned the spot. But when they kept going week to week, and then it was national news. Every Monday, Dirk Cutter came out. Who's your quarterback mm. this week? That doesn't help the dressing room. No. That doesn't help the players. No. It doesn't help the fans. Mm. Because no one knows what's going on. There's no continuity. No one can get a rhythm. And and in, in, in the NFL, it's all about rhythm, timing, and and being, being with the guys. And it's routine. And we had none of that. And it was yeah. week to week. Let's change quarterbacks. And, and it killed the season. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, the, the, it goes. You've, you've struck. you struck through quite a few of my notes there with uh, with that little passage. But uh, yeah, the QB carousel. Uh, no matter what team you're in, uh, will will affect the wide receiver chemistry. Uh, you know, especially if they, even if they're gunslingers, to more conservative uh, or maybe more mobile, in, in like Jameis Winston is. But it's, uh, looking at them combined, they actually had. You know, they combined the lead. Uh, the, the league in like, passing yards, 5,358 uh, combined. I, I don't know if that's more on the defence and having to pull rabbits out of the hat. But 408 completions, over 624 attempts, 36 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. And, uh, you know, Jameis Winston also had seven fumbles uh, along along there as well, which he quite liked to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mike Evans seemed to be a bit bulletproof. 86 receptions on 136 targets, over 1,500 yards, 24 yards uh, and eight touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, like I say, if you've got someone coming in each week and this, this different from the previous quarterback, then you're always going to be behind the eight ball, even when the first, the first snap uh, has, has been taken. So, last ten games, uh, two and eight, which you know, never really just seemed once, once the quarterback changes were, were made, you never really got any uh, momentum going. Tom.
5: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. With for, for me, that the, the season could be summed up. With you know, you did ask for one word, and I guess this is the one that I should have given. And it, it's turnovers. You know, first in the first in the NFL in giveaways, um, only tied twenty seventh in takeaways. So the differential was thirty first. Only the Niners had the worst differential in terms of turnovers. You know, the offense was good, third in third in the NFL, but twelfth in points per game, which you know, points to a team that's not able to convert when when they need to in the red zone and. Surprise, surprise! Middle of the pack, fifteenth in red zone scoring. So, even though we threw for tons and tons of yards, actually, when the going got tough, we weren't able to, you know, convert that to points as much as some of the other kind of high octane offenses in the NFL were able to do. Um, I'm sure you're going to move on to the onto the defense, but I suppose the one point that can kind of you can make for the Bucks, if you're trying to, you know, scratch around at pros, is they lost five games by five points or less. So. There were games where they were there or thereabouts, but there were also a fair share of, of blowouts. Obviously, the Bears game being being top of the list there. So, there were a number of games where they were still in it. And it's like, the, you know, everything's tight in the NFL. You know, it's, games are won and lost, as we've seen, you know, in the championship games by tiny, tiny margins. So, I think for a plus point, there, there were a number of games that the Bucs could have you know, could have maybe pulled out, but they didn't and they only won five games.
0: Yeah, I mean, Adam, I think the the Week 10 game against Washington Redskins, 500 yards of offence and just the three points, I think that's probably the epitome of the season.
6: Absolutely. But I think this for me is why, you know, people can talk about offensive creativity and offensive genius. The biggest problem with the Buccaneers, I have found over the last few years, and I've written articles on this, is I just don't believe under Dirk Cutter they truly knew how to win football games. They just those are the differences between your Super Bowl appearances and deep playoff run teams and teams that are perennial nearly runs like the Bills and mm-hmm. the Browns. And it's it, anybody can win five, six games in the NFL. Anybody can lose five, and six games in the NFL. It's what happens with the rest. Those key sort of four or five games, which are five points, seven points, one score games. Mm -hmm. You need to be winning a high propensity of those. And Dirk Cutter in his first season, to be fair, did that in his second season. He lost all of them. And this season, he lost nearly all of them. And him, the coaching staff, just did not know how to win football games. And you can put some of that on the players and the turnovers. and, and, And I understand all of that. But ultimately, with... In that game, in the games that followed, there were opportunities to win the football game and they didn't take them. And that is ultimately down to coaching, down to culture and down to mentality. And I think the Buccaneers in 2018 failed in all three categories for me.
0: Yeah, and I I suppose another one for for that is we haven't talked about the running game yet. Uh, Ronald Jones, obviously, the 38th pick in the second round, just 44 yards on the season, which uh, isn't probably what you want from your second round pick. But, Tom... Peyton Barber did did okay, three point seven yards per carry, eight hundred seventy one yards, two hundred thirty four carries. Was that kind of the backfield we expected in twenty eighteen? Or,
5: well, no, I mean it wasn't the backfield that we expected because you say when you spend the thirty eighth pick in the draft on a highly touted running back out of a you know a, a good a good program like USC, you you expect some some return on that investment, and that that just didn't come. I mean, look, Peyton Barber, I think I think did pretty well with a, a pretty poor. Um, Situation. I don't think the offensive line blocked particularly well for him at all. Um, you know, he's a, a Peyton Barber. He's a grafter. He, he, he's a hard worker. He, he finds those two yard gains when it could have been a, a three, four yard loss. You know, I'm not, I'm not pinning any of the the Bucks woes on on Peyton Barber. But look, I mean, we're going to get onto it. But Jason Light is is lucky to still have a job because the number of you know the number of misses, particularly. You know, there's been a lot of investment uh, and high picks in that second round, and if Ronald Jones turns out to be turns out to be a bust, it will it will be far from the first one. So, very very disappointing. He's got to really have a productive off season and a productive preseason and show that he's not a completely wasted pick.
6: Yeah, and, uh, See, and, and... I, I, I disagree with that on Jason Light. I think Jason Light is is, is done all right. I think he's let down by. That, that roster is not a five and eleven roster that that was last season, and and that's the truth. That team was good enough to go to the postseason. It was absolutely was. I'm not saying it was a Super Bowl winning team. Absolutely not. Um, we don't know all the truths of what's happened with with Ronald Jones, and I'm always weary to to call anybody a bust. But the players he record, he acquired in in free agency that he has picked up in the draft. Yes, everybody makes mistakes in the draft. It's a lottery. It's not a guarantee you can give yourself the best opportunities to succeed. But I think the talent he brought in this off-season was, was good enough to push the team from five wins to, to nine wins. And and it certainly didn't produce. And that, for me, is culture. It's what's done on the field. And it's done with the coaching staff. And I think he was right to keep his job for one more year. I think he's in a proven year. I think they have to make the playoffs next season or he does go. But... I don't think he was as, as culpable as, as the coaching staff for me. No, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair point. But there have been, you know, there have been
5: some high profile misses that he's made in the top forty picks. You know, Vernon Hargreaves, exceptionally disappointing, top fifteen pick. Noah Spence, top forty pick, pass rusher, hopeless. Vita Vare had a very slow start this season you know he yes, spent an no awful reason. lot in the secondary I know he spent a lot in the secondary on you know, second rounders Justin Evans disappointing
6: Ooh, I thought he was quite good this season personally uh, I thought, I, he I showed think to me quite, quite a bit in, in his second year I think, and, White, and, I think Whitehead was well. far better than he did I agree with that but I don't um, think Evans was a complete bust I thought the, the paradigm there is still some need at that position but mm. I think Evans was, was alright I you know, it's difficult. Free right
5: agents, I think, is is, is is a fair point. I mean, Vinnie Curry's been exceptionally disappointing. He's on the hook for eight million dollars next year. Um, uh, got- I don't know how much of that he's coaching. I think there's there's an element of point there, but I think like another year, let's see. But he's made some decent picks, but I think there have been some that have left the left a lot to be desired.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a defense. I think I, I was a guy that bought bought into the kind of defense going into the season with all the names there, and V, v was obviously one of the one of the high profile picks. I mean, he looks like a, a mean person when he was coming out and getting his number one shirt from Roger Goodell. But um, again, that, you know, the, the defensive performance was partly why you know the, the Bucks were number one in yardage or you know up there with with the best of them um, in terms of offense. I suppose you know if that defense isn't going to turn up, that's where it's, it's, it's always going to be. So I, I think on the on the defensive side of the ball was probably more underwhelming than than I thought going into the season. So with that with that being said, Adam, where, where do we go in the in the off season for the Bucks in twenty nineteen in terms of free agency or draft? Where where are we looking?
6: Um, so positions in need, uh, offensive line. Um, there's definitely a couple of players on there that, that won't be staying with us and uh, good riddance because that O-line uh, this season was was terrible. Um, so I can see us uh, maybe going for uh, Jonah Williams at the fifth pick. If we stay there, we could trade down um, and pick up a couple of players later on. That's always an option. If, I think if we stay at five, he is the guy. Um, I do see uh, cornerback, safety, um, it depends what happens with, with, say, Adam Humphreys, for example. There could be uh, a late-round flyer and a wide receiver. You probably might see a late-round flyer and a quarterback in the draft. As uh, Winston's on the last year of his deal, yeah. so they might look to to take one very late. Um, and no one knows what Ryan Griffin is. I think Fitzpatrick could retire as well. Um, but I think, you know, for me, that D-line was, was very good. It was a massive improvement on, on where it was, but the O-line didn't match it. So I think there has to be significant draft and free investment or uh, free agency capital mm. spent there to require. I think we probably need to acquire at least three players, if not more, on that offen- on the offensive line. Mm. We definitely need a, a stud a cornerback because mm. we're struggling there. We're just rookies back there, and um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and and we probably do need a safety in there. Uh, I wouldn't mind us having a go at at getting a safety uh, experienced in. I don't think we need a young safety. I think we need to get a safety in, in free agency. But I would be more than happy to spend. Uh, draft capital high up the board on offensive line picks, and, and then maybe probably need to bring in someone in case we do take care of Curry. And if McCoy goes, we're probably going to need uh, an extra player and now. I mean, we've got Nassib who will basically take over from, from Vinnie Curry, he was a great acquisition on, on yeah. waivers. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where we'll strengthen this year and become a better football team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've only gone through half of my notes here, and we, we could spend all day, but I'm, I'm, I'm just wary of the time. But, uh, Tom, Bruce Arians, I, I'll, I'll get both of your thoughts on this before we before we sign off. Bruce Arians, obviously the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now I know Adam Adams jumping up and down like a like a Jabba Jabba uh, back in the nineties uh, off the shelves. But Tom, your, your <laughs> thoughts on on the coaching going into 2019 and and your predictions because there's obviously it's going to be a bit a bit of change from from this season.
5: Yeah, look, I think the Bruce Arians um, recruitment is is exciting. I think you're getting an an experienced, offensive-minded coach who's got this, you know, this reputation to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a quarterback whisperer with the, particularly with the 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 late career um, revival of, of Carson Palmy. got a guy that that knows Jameis Winston from old. They've got a they've got a relationship. He's also got a relationship, a strong relationship with Jason Light, which I think was a key part of Bavarians coming to Tampa. Um, look, if if anybody's going to be able to sort Winston and these turnovers out, and I would like to quickly add that when he got the job back in in week eleven for the rest for the rest of the season, he did throw only four interceptions. So a little bit of a little bit of positivity there perhaps for, for Tampa Bay fans. So I think it's exciting and the rest of the coaching stuff as well. I mean, Byron Leftwich is a guy that's uh was a quarterback in Tampa for a season or so about ten years ago. He's a kind of name that's been been spoken about very positively around the league over the last few seasons as a as a kind of talented coaching candidate. So exciting from from that perspective. Um look, you've got you've got to stay positive when you're a Bucks fan. It's it's tough enough. You can't uh can't let it get on top of you with the, the repeated poor seasons, but yeah, I think I think it's I think it's exciting. But just quickly, if you let me, I mean, I think it's going to be a massive off season for us because there's a huge amount of choices that need to be made. You talk about Vinnie Curry and McCoy. Yeah. That's twenty one million dollars there on the cap tied up between those two. Deshaun Jackson, ten million. What do you do with him? Cameron Bright. As much as I love the guy. Seven million dollars against the cap. I potentially look at moving him on, given OJ Howard's kind of emergence and Quan Alexander as a free agent. I'd love to see Quan come back, but coming off an ACL, I don't know that's going to be tough. And I agree with the O line comments. Absolutely, I think I think that Donovan Smith again. Jury's out on whether he's going to be back on some kind of a deal. Um He's not really been fantastic, so I'd like to see offensive line prioritized and and yeah, the secondary as well, and and maybe a replacement for McCoy if if he is sent packing which i think he might be with that cap number
6: see i I think mccoy might might stay i think they'll restructure his deal i'd love to see it stay. i don't think he wants to go he's made a lot of money Uh, the one thing you've got to praise the front office for and this is something the buccaneers have never done you just listed half a dozen players there with absolutely zero guaranteed money and what the organization have done very well is to not back end these contracts so the buccaneers are tied long term to a lot of guys to be able to move on from those six players uh, for no cap hit is absolutely Mm. massive and people keep talking about the buccaneers cap situation it's not that good actually it's pretty decent you can make some cuts with no cost to your capital and you can pivot and make the changes that need to be made so when you've got a new head coach in like arians who knows exactly what he wants and don't forget, he's worked with all this staff before. He knows exactly what he's going to want to make this a successful football team. We can get rid of all the players that are just not going to buy in, change yeah. the culture in that dressing room and bring in a load of winners. And yeah, we'll spend cap. And yeah, we'll, we'll probably get very close to the cap maximum. Mm. But that's what it's there for. Mm. Um, and I think that it's... A, it's. A, I think for me as a, a fan, you've got butts coming over this year. You've got the best... Uh, for me, head coach available, and that's that's how I purely see it. Mm. With the experience, yes, he's a two three year option, mm. but he's going to change the entire mentality of the football of, of the football team for the next year, of next ten years, for the mm. next decade. Yeah, because he's going to bring in a winning mentality with mm. winning coaches. There's going to be a succession plan in there. Um, I, I'm personally excited because I've got a little tired of the excuses, and I've got a little tired of having great talent that is never rewarded like Gerald McCoy um, like Mike Evans these players don't just deserve to be going to Pro Bowls they should be going to playoffs and it's about time that the organisation pays these guys back and say
0: Right, now's your time. Yeah, Mike Evans, just a him, holds a receiving yard record and receiving touchdowns record for uh, the, the Buccaneers and also the single-season touchdown receptions and receiving yards and also the youngest ever to reach 6,000 yards. So, yeah, still, um, no matter what, how, how the Buccaneers perform, he obviously is, is a standout. But uh, we're running on to nine and a half hour. So just before we sign off, um, I'm judging by your words uh, there, Adam, that if, you, if you had one word going into, into next season, I suppose it'd be bullish.
6: Absolutely. Mm. I think we've got to walk around with some swagger. I think the Buccaneers haven't had swagger. We've not been uh, U.S. media national relevant, with the exception of the whole <laughs> Fitzmagic two years, <laughs> turning up in, a, in, a, in, a, in an outfit for two weeks, uh, for the best on half a half a decade. Mm. And no one pays attention to the Buccaneers. It's why Mike Evans doesn't get voted to Pro Bowls. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be- it's not because he's not a good player or a league. It's because no one watches him on television because we're never on it. Mm. And, and it's time to change that. It's time to make the Buccaneers a relevant football team again. Mm-hmm. And we've got the right coaching staff. So bullish, um, I, you know, we we swagger. We, it's time to come in with some swagger and start showing up yeah. the yeah. NFC South and the NFC and the, and the whole of the NFL that the Buccaneers are a mean force and they're ones to watch.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting actually trying to watch Mitch Trubisky in the Pro Bowl skills uh, trying to throw to Mike Evans. That was uh, that was not one for the eyes. But Tom, last word with you then. What's your word going into 20, 2019? I think it's got to be it's
5: got to be excited. Uh, I agree. I think (laughs) having said what I've said about about light, I I do agree that the roster is the overall picture of the roster, particularly with the talent that we've got on the offensive side of the football is um, is exciting and it it definitely deserves better than the record that we've we've had this season. Um, I think Chris Godwin really emerged um, as a really viable kind of second receiving um, asset in in the passing game, running game is is, is going to be critical. But I'm really excited for, for for the Bruce Arians regime to to start, and I'm I'm hoping and praying really that he can can do some positive work with Winston because I absolutely do think the talent is is still there. And I guarantee you, if if we let him go, he'll go off and. Join somewhere else and, and have a great kind of second half of his career, if you like. So I think we've got to keep keep sledding with Jameis Winston, but the turnovers have, have definitely got to come down and, and hopefully is the guy to get that sorted.
0: Yeah, so there you have it. Um, all the other teams in the NFC South should batten down the hatches to end on, on a... Uh, <laughs> End on a Buccaneer phrase, if, if you like. Chaps, thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving a good old chat. We could have chatted for hours there on the Buccaneers uh, season. We only got through, say, half of my notes. So, uh, yeah, good, uh, interesting team going into the, into the season. But uh, Tom and Adam, uh, say thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you. Pat.
6: It'll be great, Tim, and we'll speak soon.
0: There you have it, NFC South all done and dusted. Hope you're enjoying the series. Please let us know if you are at any moment at Full10Yards over there on the Twitter. Up tomorrow, we have the NFC North. So we're going to be talking Packers, Vikings, Lions and the Bears. So hopefully uh, you can join us for that. And don't forget to check out our podcast from yesterday, the Tuesday episode where we looked at fantasy risers and fallers. But also had a cheeky little uh, interview snuck in there with Jeff Reinbold. I hope you enjoy that. Obviously, uh, always a good person to talk to over on these shores. And also don't forget the NFL Live UK tour is also on sale. Got my tickets today for the Edinburgh show. So if you're around in Edinburgh and going to that show, Give us a shout. We'd love to meet you and say hello, take a picture and and have a chat and have a beer. Uh, Always good to meet up with fellow NFL fans. But that's going to do it for today's NFL podcast on the Full Ten Yards. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Get in touch with us, like I say, at Full Ten Yards. If you do, really, really big thanks to those guys that were on today's podcast. But really, really, really big thanks goes out to you listeners out there listening to it. I mean, if you've got here, we're what, one minute? 1 minute 34 into the podcast and you're still here. I mean, really, really, really top effort on there. Really appreciate it. But we'll be back tomorrow, like I say, with the NFC North. And don't forget, also, we'll have the Cleveland Browns article uh, where, you know, where do they go from here series this week as the AFC, as Cleveland, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers went up today, uh, Cleveland Browns tomorrow, Cincinnati Bengals on Friday. Lots of stuff going on with the full 10 yards podcast. And I hope you're all enjoying the content, putting a lot of work and effort into it. So... Hopefully, you you guys out there are getting something from that. But in the meantime, we'll speak to you tonight. To the great words of Kevin Cadel. it's bye bye for now. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on
1: Facebook or Twitter at Full10Yards.
0: Or email the show, Full10Yards at gmail.com.